is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your monday night raw post show for april 18th 2022 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your monday nights wherever you may be monday night raw man wasn't terrible it wasn't really all that terrible, man. The first hour was actually pretty enjoyable. We got through a decent Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins segment to set up WWE Backlash or <laughs> WrestleMania Backlash. I'm sorry. Because we can't have a pay-per-view without booking every match that happened at WrestleMania again, all over again. They had a decent segment setting up their match, making sense of why a rematch is happening. Between them at WrestleMania Backlash, we got a lie detector test, which was pretty much the the big selling point for this show tonight between Kevin Owens and Ezekiel. Is it Ezekiel or is it really Elias? Now, we are not dumb and we know that this is the former Elias who is now playing Ezekiel, but WWE creative is so shit that this is the best that they've got for the former Elias. And in comes Kevin Owens, and he's really making it as entertaining as he possibly can. And I thought the segment was really entertaining in itself. It included Chad Gable. We got a lie detector test. He was asked the questions. Kevin Owens still didn't believe him. So we're going to go over what was said there. And then Cody Rhodes, in the main event again tonight, WWE putting him in the main event. Seth Rollins handpicked an opponent for Cody Rhodes. And everybody kind of assumed who it was going to be in the main event with Cody. And it was that very same individual that everybody was thinking going into the match. And I wish WWE would give us a little bit more unpredictability. And I wish WWE would take a little bit more of the risk. Seems like nobody in pro wrestling wants to take a fucking risk. And they're afraid to take a risk. I I don't understand it. What difference would it have made if it was somebody that we wouldn't expect? Why does it have to be who we expect it to be and then ultimately get disappointed with yet another non-finish on Monday night? I I don't like that. It really doesn't sit well with me as a fan. And this is why I always complain because I expect better because I know that they can do better. Could have been anybody else. Anybody else. It didn't have to be who we all thought it was going to be from the very moment that this match was announced. And WWE is really running into a problem. 
WWE is really running into a problem. There is no world championship on Monday night. WWE has Roman Reigns on SmackDown holding both the WWE and the Universal Championship, and they're operating as if he is still on SmackDown. This is a unification match, meaning that you are carrying the other brand's belts, meaning that you are part of the other brand because you are carrying the other brand's championship. WWE needs to do a lot better than what they're doing now and making Monday Night Raw seem a little bit more important with a major championship. It's not gonna, it's not going to maintain a level of importance with Cody Rhodes at the top not fighting for anything, or Seth Rollins at the top not fighting for anything. The United States Championship is in absolutely no position to be crowned the number one priority on Monday Night Raw. You're operating on a three-hour show without a world championship. It looks lame. Monday Night Raw looks Bush League when you think about it. If there's no world championship, what the fuck are we doing here? Roman Reigns is now an active member of the Monday Night Raw roster. Show me that he fucking cares. He's holding the WWE championship. Show me he fucking cares. What is he doing? He's not doing anything going into Backlash. The fuck is he doing? Is he wrestling Nakamura or is he not wrestling Nakamura? At this point, I don't give a shit. Whoever they throw in front of him, he's not losing. So get him on Raw. I don't give a fuck what he does. Get him in front of a camera and get a microphone in his hand and tease what his next move will be and how he's going to fix Monday Night Raw and what he's going to do with the bloodline on Monday Night Raw. We cannot operate without a world championship or end the brand split. Just get rid of it. Should have ended the fucking moment he won the goddamn title. There's no reason to be operating under two separate brands anymore. None. Especially when you got him doing what he's doing and then the tag team championships also being unified at Backlash. Get rid of it. That's another major fucking problem. So we'll see what WWE does with that. We don't know what they're doing if they plan on unifying more championships, which I hope is the case, which will then lead to them ending the brand split. But Monday Night Raw, man, same old shit, not overly as terrible, minus that god-awful wedding segment tonight. Holy shit. I was embarrassed to watch the fucking show on my couch in my own home. I didn't even have people over. Fucking ridiculous, man, how anybody finds any of that to be entertaining. There's got to be something wrong with you. It's not the level of entertainment I want. It's not the level of entertainment I want on my pro wrestling show. The fuck were they doing out there? Why is that on my television? WWE cannot have a budget come come soon enough. Everybody in that ring, minus Sasha Banks, needs to get the fuck out of here. And R-Truth. R-Truth was the only thing about that segment that I liked. Awful. Absolutely fucking awful, man. It was appalling, embarrassing, pathetic. Just get her off my television, man. The 24-7 title has run its course. But I appreciate you guys hanging out with me tonight on the Monday Night Raw Post Show, man. We're going to go over everything that happened tonight. As usual. And I appreciate you guys hanging out with me, man. It's a rainy Monday night. Weather just doesn't want to stay nice, man. I can't wait for the nice weather. I can't wait for the sunshine. I can't wait for the warmth. Can't wait to put this fucking hoodie away. Rainy night in New York City, man. We're going to do our best to have a good time tonight. 1,800 people. In the venue, still filing on in. You guys are still filing on in. 
Let's get those super chats in. Super chats are open, meaning the bar is pretty fucking crowded, man. We got some people in the super chats already. So get them on in, and we'll hang out at the end of the show as always and read through all your questions, your comments, and your concerns. Hit that join button, man. We were live on episode 426 of the podcast on Saturday night, man. We went over three hours, man. Massive, massive, massive off the script. We had over 10 new members join the VIP club, man. If you guys want to get in on the VIP club, man, we are nearing 600 members of the OTS VIP club, man. It's the most exclusive club in all the IWC. Make sure you guys go hit that join button and make sure you join the VIP club. You get emotes that you could use all over the place on the channel, in the live streams, in the comment sections. And you guys get those badges next to your name, which shows off your VIP status, man. And like I always say, if you join, man, first and second round is going to be on me. So make sure you guys join the channel and become a channel member. Hit that thumbs up. I see 562 likes on the stream right now. We got 1,800 in here. Let's go for 1,000 minimum on today's Monday Night Raw post-show on OTS. Like I said, go check out the podcast from this past Saturday, episode 426, up there. I did an extra yesterday on the new name changes coming to NXT, which I don't agree with, and more to come. It's not going to be the end of it. We didn't do a Friday Night SmackDown post-show because I was live at House of Glory on Fight TV on Friday night. But we got Wednesday's Dynamite. We got Tuesday's NXT. We got Monday Night Raw. We got a couple of extras during the week, man. We were a busy, busy, busy podcast last week. So go check everything out. If you missed it, it's all on the homepage. And extra content is always a good thing. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. You guys know the deal. Follow me on social media. On Twitter and Instagram at JD from NY206 on Instagram and Twitter. T-shirts, bonfire.com is the exclusive home of Off the Script. And today's show is brought to you by my great friends over at Manscaped. Manscaped.com. You guys are gonna use code SCRIPT20 at checkout. You're gonna save yourself 20% off. You're gonna save yourself on the free shipping. And you guys are going to look pretty damn good. Once the weather gets nice, Manscaped is going to have you guys looking sharp, man. Manscaped.com. I want to thank them for sponsoring today's show right here on Off the Scripts. Monday Night Raw started off with Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. This was a decent segment, and I appreciate WWE's effort to make sense of why we're getting a rematch. At WrestleMania Backlash, which I don't really like. I don't like the fact, number one, that WWE is putting the WrestleMania name to a D-level pay-per-view like Backlash. This show is already a filler show, and that's just the feeling that I get because we got this show happening at the end of April, I believe. I don't know when it actually is. April, May, I don't don't know. Then we go into the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, and then we go into two stadium shows that WWE is doing in the same month. Money in the Bank at Allegiant Stadium, and then SummerSlam in Nashville, Tennessee. So this is a filler show, and it shows how creatively lazy WWE is because legitimately everything you're seeing on this show outside of the unification match, which is a new stipulation for the tag team division, the match itself is something we've seen before. Everything that you're seeing on Backlash is a rematch. 
and most of which are coming out of WrestleMania, which will be WrestleMania rematches. WWE does WrestleMania backlash for one reason and one reason only, and it's because they're fucking lazy creatively. I don't like it. Again, no unpredictability and no risks. I thought Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania was the start of a new season or the start of hitting the reset button for WWE. And here we are doing the same shit that we were doing at WrestleMania, which nobody wants to see. That's just how I feel. It's fucking lazy. Seth Rollins is in the ring, and the fans are chanting for Cody, Cody, Cody. Seth said nobody wants to party alone, so he invited Cody Rhodes out to the ring. Cody joined him in the ring. He did his big entrance, the whole, the whole nine, the fireworks, and this and that. It really is going to get old if WWE continues to burn through these nothing Raws with fucking pyro and the over-the-top entrance for Cody Rhodes. I don't really like that they're burning through all of these entrances, man. It should be safe for major shows. Let's keep it down to a minimum when he's on Monday Night Raw. He doesn't need the big fucking pay-per-view like fireworks on Monday Night Raw. And they don't do it only once. They do it multiple times in the fucking night. Again, WWE giving us something that we want. We want to see Cody Rhodes. We want to cheer Cody Rhodes. We want to see Cody Rhodes. But WWE is abusing the greatness that is Cody Rhodes on their television show already. It's not even three fucking weeks. So he's out there, and he came out in his suit. Obviously, best dressed in all of WWE on Raw is Cody Rhodes. So Cody's in the ring, and Seth told the fans to stop chanting for Cody Rhodes. He called Cody the man of the hour. Cody says it all feels so similar to him. You and I in this ring, in this city, for those who don't know the story, Buffalo is Rhodes country. That's where Monday Night Raw was tonight, Buffalo, New York. He asked Seth what he wants to talk about. Seth says, this is about respect. Fans chanted for Cody some more. Cody played to the crowd and they kept cheering him, which angered Rollins. And Seth said this was going to go one direction, but now it's going to go in another. He says he was going to talk about all the respect he has for his family and his long journey. You went away. You worked hard. You came back as the American nightmare. He said that hard work means nothing because it was him, Seth Rollins, who made Cody a star in one evening at WrestleMania. Now, we all know that that's actual bullshit. Seth Rollins did not make Cody Rhodes. Seth Rollins only said that because he's a heel and he needs to say such things to portray a heel. Cody Rhodes, I want you guys to know, and I'm sure you all do, because the people that watch my show are fairly intelligent, Cody made Cody. Seth Rollins did not make Cody Rhodes. So, he says he made Cody Rhodes, which we all know is not true. Cody says there's a lot of foreplay and pretense here, but they should expend with the pretense and get to the point. Seth said the point is that Cody had an unfair advantage at WrestleMania and he didn't have time to prepare for him. So I lost. Seth says I lost. Painfully, I lost. Seth says that makes some think that Cody is better than him and he can't live with that fact. He said he is better than Cody in every single possible way. He said Cody might be the flavor of the month which we all feel as a fan base is exactly what's going to be for Cody Rhodes. He'll be the flavor of a couple of months, and then WWE will get bored of him. They cannot get bored of Cody Rhodes. Otherwise, their mission statement 
and their mission statement is weakening AEW, if they make Cody Rhodes look weak, then it's going to cast doubt on anybody on that side of things who may want to jump ship and join WWE. So Cody needs to look strong, not only for that, but also I'm assuming he's making a boatload of money and you don't want your main event act making a boatload of money, not really repaying the cost of his contract. So WWE can ill afford to have Cody look weak or lose matches or be booked into oblivion like most of this roster has been booked over the course of the last 12 months. So he talked about him being the flavor of the month. He talks better than him. He dresses better than him. He's been to the mountaintop as WWE champion, and that makes me better than you. What is he, MJF? A lot of MJF out there, man. I'm better than you, and you know it type of deal. He said Seth can talk and talk and talk, but it doesn't change the fact that he beat him at WrestleMania. He said for the last six years, he had a management position, and during that time as a manager or an EVP, he said that he learned about mediation. He said they should ask a third party, a neutral third party, How about the good folks of Buffalo, New York? Fans obviously are rallying behind Cody. He asked the fans if they think he is better than Seth, and obviously they agreed. Seth got an idea, and he said that Cody should find out how easy it is to wrestle a mystery opponent of his choosing. Cody said everyone knows his answer is yes. He says he didn't come to WWE to run away from challenges. So I accept absolutely yes for tonight in the main event. So Cody was here on this show in a segment with Rollins setting up Backlash. It came off very well. I actually like the idea of Rollins being respectful at first and happy that Cody is back. And Cody's now getting under his skin, gloating a little bit and showboating and kind of rubbing it in Rollins' face that he's here and he's already in a position to take Rollins' spot that Rollins thinks he deserves. And I like the aspect of Rollins coming up with the idea that, you know what, you were brought to WrestleMania. I wasn't in the know. I didn't know you were going to be my opponent. I didn't know you were going to be there. And Rollins, according to him, he had no idea what was going on until Cody's theme hit and Cody came walking down the aisle. I like the aspect of Rollins throwing it back in Cody's face. You did it to me, or they did it to me. WWE did it to me. And now I'm going to do it to you because I was unprepared and I can't stand losing. So I'm going to do it to you and see how you handle the situation the same way that I had to at WrestleMania. So I actually quite like that. Does it warrant a rematch at WrestleMania? No. Or WrestleMania backlash, I should say. No. It does not warrant a rematch. I'm not going to complain about the rematch. I wish WWE would have a little bit more vision and a little bit more creativity All I know at the end of it is we're going to get a good match, and there's only one outcome. Cody Rhodes cannot lose. Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins is happening at WrestleMania Backlash. I'm going to be very curious to see what they do differently than what we got at WrestleMania, or if it's going to be more of the same old shit that we got at WrestleMania, which, I mean, I don't mind, but I want want to see them do something better and kind of one-up themselves from what they did at WrestleMania. Maybe they have more time to prepare. Maybe they have more time to go over ideas. I don't know. Knowing Cody, he's not going to settle for the same shit. He's going to want to go out there and have a better match than they did at WrestleMania. I like everything. But at the end of the day, Cody cannot lose. They're, they're 
is a rampant problem of 50-50 booking in WWE. This is not the time to be meddling in 50-50 booking. Cody Rhodes cannot lose to Seth Rollins at WrestleMania Backlash. Not at all. There shouldn't be an idea of it. Nobody should bring it to the fucking table. Nobody should be thinking about it, period. Cody Rhodes needs to beat Seth Rollins clean at WrestleMania Backlash. Otherwise, what the fuck are we doing here? Cody is the man on a mission. Rollins is not. It is that simple. Rollins does not need the victory. Cody does. It is that simple. I don't want to hear anything about Rollins getting his victory back or Rollins deserves it and Rollins needs it. No, 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 no. Cody is the flavor of the month. And I hope for many months he needs the victory more than Rollins does. End of story. Sasha Banks and Naomi finally got this women's tag team title match. They defend the titles tonight against Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. This match was supposed to happen last week, but Rhea Ripley was under medical protocol for COVID. So we didn't get this match last week and was bumped to this week. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody was wondering what's going on with Rhea Ripley, man. She's been teasing, turning on Liv Morgan. There's been rumors and speculation and news articles that Rhea Ripley's about to turn heel. She's about to dump Liv Morgan, and WWE's got big plans for her as she's set to join Edge in his Ministry of Darkness-like group, which doesn't have a name yet, and she's going to be the first female act in that group with more others to be added. Tommaso Ciampa was also rumored for that. I don't know how truthful those rumors are. I'd like to see it. I think that would be great. He was busy working main event tonight, man. He got called up to the main roster to not even be used on the main roster and to work fucking main event with Cedric Alexander. What a great use of Tommaso Ciampa. But I'm not surprised. He gets what he signed up for. Main roster, buried. Main roster, main event. Main roster, they're going to take you to be a serious threat and use you the way you should be used? Of course not. Not with Bruce Prichard in charge. Not with Vince McMahon in charge. Give me a break. Rhea Ripley. I think we all are in agreement here that Rhea Ripley needs to turn heel. I think Rhea Ripley needs to turn heel. I think Rhea Ripley going heel will probably be best for business. And that's exactly what we got tonight on Monday Night Raw. The heel turn is complete. Rhea Ripley is now a heel. Sasha Banks and Naomi, they were in control for a little bit. Morgan 
uh, tagged in Ripley. And Ripley called Banks and used her as a weapon on Naomi. Morgan posted Naomi while Ripley drove Banks into the barricade with a riptide. She did the riptide, her finishing move on the outside into the barricade. We go to commercial break. We come back from commercial break. Ripley and Morgan, uh, they did a very, very mistimed tag team combo. It was an electric chair bulldog combo that led to a two count on Naomi, but Liv Morgan completely mistimed this, and it was an electric chair and no bulldog. And then Liv Morgan, maybe two seconds after the electric chair move was executed, she then jumps off the top rope with a bulldog, and everything just looked completely botched. That was not the only botch of this match. Every time I looked up, there seemed to be a botch happening in this match. This was not a very good showcase for Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan in this match before the heel turn. So Ripley blind tagged in, assisted Morgan in hitting Naomi with a powerbomb. Ripley followed with a riptide, but Morgan failed to hold off Banks. Now, in this point, Banks, she was kind of tussling around with Liv Morgan, and Morgan waist-locked her. Sasha Banks went from behind, did the bank statement, which looked very sloppy, and then she jumped on Rhea Ripley. After Rhea Ripley, I delivered the riptide to Naomi, Broke up the count and broke up the cover. The match continued. Everything was just very sloppy and very mistimed. All these women seemingly had a night off and it did not look good. Banks and Naomi followed with their combination finisher, which is a face plant and I believe a code breaker like combo. And that was pretty much it. Banks pinned Ripley one, two, three to retain the women's tag team championships. Now, I don't know where WWE goes from here, number one. I don't know where WWE goes from here with the tag team championships. This was the only other suitable tag team, not really a tag team, but the only two suitable women that were on the same page challenging for those tag team championships. Sasha Banks and Naomi have no challengers for the tag team titles, none. And I don't really care to see them against any other tag team just randomly thrown together. There's absolutely no need for the tag team championships. Zero. I don't know why. But I will say this. Naomi has done the best work of her career this year. The matches she's had with Charlotte have been fantastic. And I'm not a big Charlotte Flair fan at all. But I got to give credit where credit is due. The matches that they had were great. Especially one of those matches in the main event on SmackDown. I even lobbied for Naomi to win the Royal Rumble. I lobbied for Naomi to win the Royal Rumble. Naomi to wrestle Charlotte. And Naomi beat Charlotte on SmackDown for the SmackDown Women's Championship. That would have been a thousand times better than what we got with Ronda Rousey. Sasha Banks, I feel like, is making Naomi a little bit better, man. Naomi is feeling a little bit more important because of her tag team with Sasha Banks. So it is doing something a little bit positive. And Naomi looks very happy with what she's doing because Sasha Banks is a big name. Sasha Banks could be booked better, But Sasha Banks and Naomi, I do think, make a very formidable tag team. And it looks like they're both having a very good time working with each other. The heel turn. At the end of the match, we had Morgan and Ripley arguing. And Ripley was yelling at Morgan that she failed this tag team. She said she was always there for Morgan, but she was never there for her. So Morgan began to leave the ring in frustration. Rhea Ripley blasted her from behind with an elbow. And that was it. Rhea Ripley ground and pound on Liv Morgan, blasting away with shots on top of Liv Morgan. 
And that was it. Crowd raining down booze, and she's leaving the ring frustrated that she could not get the job done with Liv Morgan. That makes one and two. Two tag teams that Rhea Ripley was a part of, and they did not get the job done. Both of these tag team partners that she had let her down. One was a fucking geeky comic book fucking idiot. Some fucking childish Nikki Ash character did not do anything for Liv Morgan, or Rhea Ripley rather, but bring her down. And Liv Morgan didn't really do anything for Rhea Ripley, but bring her down. So I'm waiting to hear her say that she's been lost for so long, and now she's going to find this right path, this right direction, because of Edge and his knowledge and leadership. This is the right move. This is the right move. I'm not ready to jump on it yet and say, oh my God, I can't wait. I'm not going to jump all over it just yet, because this is WWE creative at the end of the day. Let's see how it goes. We don't know what they're doing. They could fucking completely fail this entire operation. And we could be sitting here three, four weeks from now feeling the same way we do about Rhea Ripley now before the heel turn. Let's give it time to see what they do. I don't trust them at all to do the right thing. But at the end of the day, I think we are all in agreement here that this heel turn was much needed for Rhea Ripley. She sucked as a baby face. Can't stand the fucking smiling. She was brought down by... Botched finishes and botched feuds and that whole feud with Charlotte Flair completely destroyed her. She was directionless with this tag team with Nikki Ash and WWE threw her right back into a tag team with Liv Morgan. Directionless. She has not looked good at all on the main roster. The last time she looked good was when she won the NXT Women's Championship, I believe, in 2019, at the end of an NXT episode where she beat Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. That's the last time I remember her looking good. This is a much-needed change for Rhea Ripley. But I'm not about to pop the champagne and fucking throw streamers in the air and congratulate WWE for doing a good thing. Like I always say, they can make the right decision and I could give them a little golf clap for it, but it's in the follow-up that is the most important. So let's see what the follow-up is, and then we'll gauge this thing over the next couple of weeks to see what WWE is going to do with Rhea Ripley. But at the end of the day, the change from babyface to heel was something that she desperately needed because she was absolutely in a sea of nothing on Monday night. Sonia Deville, she came out and she stormed to the ring. She was in the ring. She had a microphone in her hand, and she said, as of late, she's heard chatter in the WWE that she's misused her power, making herself the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. She said she was forced into a position of power until she could find her way back to competing full-time. She said she never lost her desire to be a superstar. She said she made the most of the opportunity to lead those who surround her. She touted it as a natural ability that she does possess. But then when an opportunity arose, she took it. She said Belair is the B-E-S-T of WWE, and that's who she wants to win the title off of. She said fans can scrutinize her professionalism, but the bottom line is that Bianca Belair wanted a challenger 
and I gave her one, says Sonia Deville. Nothing is personal. It's just business. Bianca Belair came out. She didn't skip to the ring. She didn't smile. Well, not really a full-blown baby face smile, waving and fucking shaking grandma's hand front row and high-fiving the little kids in the front row. None of that happened. None of that happened. She came out. She was wearing all black, and she took her glasses off right away, and she stormed to the ring. She did not skip to the ring as if everything was all peachy and everything was all fucking flowers and sunshine and rainbows. So I appreciate that because Sonya made her look like a fool last week. And she took advantage of Bianca last week. So there's nothing to smile about. There's nothing to skip about. So I'm glad that little piece was changed for this segment. So she stormed to the ring and Belair says, listen, 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 listen. Let's do the match tonight for the Raw Women's Championship. I want my match tonight. DeVille said, well, wait a minute. I'm a WWE official and I will face you when I'm ready and you will face repercussions if you lay a finger on me. Belair that said, like I said, they should have their match right now tonight. DeVille said she didn't work her way back for three years to have her opportunity in this rusted out suburb of New York City. She said the match is going to happen somewhere where she really hates losing. How about next week in your hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee? She said that her friends and family will be there to console her after she loses. She said they've already used her losing her title so quickly. Belair slapped DeVille, set up for the KOD as she had DeVille on her shoulders for the KOD. DeVille still had the microphone in her hand yelling and threatening to strip her of the title and fine her and suspend her if she did not put her down. Belair then threw her down, but not in a KOD, threw her down, and left the ring, and that was pretty much it. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chad. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't this match supposed to take place at the pay-per-view? I could swear that I heard last week when Sonya manipulated the system and brought out a contract, had Belair sign it first, and then manipulated the authority that she has, to get the championship match, I thought that this match was taking place at WrestleMania Backlash. Now, I don't know if I misheard it, but I could have swore that last week was the setup for the title match at the pay-per-view. So why are we doing the match next week in Knoxville, Tennessee, when we have this pay-per-view match already signed, sealed, and delivered? Why do we need to see it once before the pay-per-view? Why does Bianca need to go into Knoxville, Tennessee, where she was born and raised, defending the championship? If you want Bianca Belair to wrestle in her hometown, why can't she wrestle somebody else without defending the championship? Why don't we save the fucking championship for the pay-per-view? If you do the match next week, I don't really care to see it. I don't care to see it to begin with. I'm not going to care to see it at the pay-per-view if I see it again next week in Knoxville on Monday night. It's fucking ridiculous. Nothing is special in this company anymore. They can't wait. They love to bust their nut before anything happens. It's, it's so typical of WWE to go this route. I don't agree with that. Now, with Sony Deville, I said this on Twitter after this segment was over. I'm really getting bored 
And I'm really getting tired of the, you know, Sony Deville managerial fucking executive managerial position that she owns in WWE. I'm getting tired of her holding that position and then wanting to be a professional wrestler or a WWE superstar. You can't have both. I'm hoping that somewhere along the line, and they kind of teased it, but I don't know where they're exactly going. Knowing WWE, they won't change a fucking thing about her. They already teased it tonight. Bianca Belair was fined, and I might as well get to it. We'll go to the Veer match, which happened after, but we'll get to that in a second. DeVille was backstage with Adam Pearce. She asked what he's going to do about Belair putting her hands on her tonight. She had a suit on. She is an executive of Monday Night Raw. He said, the higher-ups are investigating you, Sonia, for conduct, and it is now set with an official investigation. So there is now an official investigation against Sonia Deville for her conduct as an executive on Monday night. Deville said she does everything by the book. Why am I being investigated? Deville said Belair deserves the biggest fine ever in the women's division. Belair walked in. Sonya got mad. What what are you doing here? This is a meeting between two WWE officials. Bianca then said, well, I'm here to pay my fine. And she pulls out a $1 bill. She hands the $1 bill to Adam Pierce. Pierce thanked her. And DeVille said, that's your fine? You just told me that Bianca Belair was fined for her actions against me tonight. Adam Pierce said, yes, I did everything by the book. He fined her. He fined her for putting her hands on a WWE official, but he fined her the absolute lowest amount possible. One dollar. Like I was saying before, WWE really needs to pick one side or the other. They cannot have Sonya do both the executive position and be an in-ring performer. In my eyes, we're, we're kind of moving away from a brand split. Adam Pearce has been known to be on Raw and be on SmackDown. We don't need Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce doing the job that Adam Pearce can do solely by himself. If Sony was in charge of Raw and Adam was in charge of SmackDown, I would understand it a little bit better, but they always do things in tandem as a duo. So Adam Pearce, he is with Raw and is with SmackDown, so he's more than capable of making these decisions as an on-air authority figure by himself without Sony Deville. She's needed in the women's division. It is more valuable for her to be on TV every week in the women's division wrestling in the ring. We do not need this anymore. At the end of all of this, I really hope this leads. If we're getting the match next week, have it be some sort of bullshit ending. I'm not saying Bianca lose the championship because that would be fucking ridiculous. I think Bianca Belair is going to win the match and Sonya Deville is going to continue to abuse her power. Maybe she loses and then uses her power to get another championship match at the pay-per-view. That's why they're doing this match next week in Knoxville, Tennessee. But the entirety of this feud needs to result in Bianca Belair beating Sonya Deville at the pay-per-view. And she is no longer able to use her executive power on Monday Night Raw. The championship match at the pay-per-view not only needs to be for the championship, but if Sonya Deville loses, she cannot be an executive on Monday Night Raw anymore. We are well past this. It's seen its day. It's seen its expiration date. We need to get Sonya in the ring as a full-time in-ring performer. That's where she's needed. 
not with Adam Pierce backstage on Monday or Friday night. We're going into hour two now. Veer. Veer more than likely is wrestling Rey Mysterio at the pay-per-view. No sign of Rey Mysterio tonight on Monday night's Raw. He went up against local New York Buffalo indie talent Jeff Brooks. Jobber. Veer dominated from the bell. This was all but one minute. All, all but one minute. This was Veer dominating, finishing move. That's one-armed camel clutch that he does. And that was pretty much it. Bell kept running. Post-match attack. He did it once. He did it twice. Referees came out. Officials came out and stopped this post-match attack from getting any worse. And Veer dominated this poor schmuck in Buffalo, New York. I was all in on Veer. And I don't want to shit on him just yet. Veer has come to Monday Night Raw. There was excitement about him coming after being held off TV for way too long. And WWE, this is the damning part of it. This is the part that I really don't understand. WWE's held this guy off since October of last year when he was drafted to Monday Night Raw. You had October, November, December, January, February, March, and now April. You had seven and a half, eight and a half months to come up with a fucking plan for Veer Mahan. And this is their plan. Beating up Ray, beating up Dominic, injuring both, riding them both off TV, and now jobbers on Monday night. I was all in on Veer. But I am going to be honest with you like I am every single time I'm on here. I am not feeling this. I don't think the crowd is into it. I don't think anybody's really into it. I think it's just another fucking segment on TV that WWE has no end game for, has no end goal for. I was all in on Veer, and I said, Veer has major potential just because of the botch that they did by holding him off TV for so long. I'm not feeling this shit. I don't know what they're doing or where they're going, but I don't think he really is doing much of anything. He's not making an impact. He doesn't feel impactful. WWE could have done anything to really get this guy out there and really have him make a big splash. And this is the extent of their eight months by keeping him off TV. That's pretty fucking sad. That is fucking pathetic. I'm not into this at all. He squashes this guy in one minute. More of the same old shit. We're looking at yet another Ryback on WWE TV. The KO Show. The show was built around Kevin Owens and the lie detector test. That's what WWE was really banking on coming out of last week's show. So we have the KO show set up. Chad Gable's there wearing reading glasses and he's got his laptop set up with the lie detector test all ready to go. Owens says he despises liars. He hates liars. Owens then touted Gable's 2.0 GPA, and Gable quickly corrected him. Kevin, Kevin, it's not a 2.0. It's a 4.0 GPA. Uh, Thank you. I love Chad Gable. Chad Gable's great. It's fucking awesome. So Gable thanked Owens for having him back on the KO show, and he said, Gable, Owens said, is going to expose Ezekiel as a liar and then beat him in his in-ring debut tonight on Monday Night Raw. He said he will find out if, if, if Ezekiel is who he says he is. 
He told Owens, it will be money well spent, said Gable. KO introduced Ezekiel. He comes down the aisle, came out to his entrance theme. KO welcomed him and called him Elias. Ezekiel said, I am not Elias, I am Ezekiel. Owens got frazzled and upset and told him to admit he used to have the beard and a guitar. That's you. That is who you are. You had the beard, you had the guitar, you're Elias. Ezekiel then said, no, I'm not Elias, but I do have one question for all the fans here in Buffalo. Who wants to speak with Zeke? Who wants to speak with Zeke? Who wants to walk with Elias? Owen says, that's the thing. You, you used to do that with Elias. You used to say that as Elias. It's the same thing. Who wants to speak with Zeke, he says. Owen says it's time for the lie detector test and he's about to get exposed. Gable asked the crowd to shush, please. Shush. Gable asked Ezekiel a very easy question. Is the sky blue? Ezekiel said yes. Yes. He asked if it was Monday. Ezekiel said no. Gable told him to lie. He said, on this next question, I need you to lie. Is it Monday? Ezekiel said no. So he's two for two. Is the sky blue? Yes. No lie. Gable then asked him to lie. Is it Monday? No. No lie. He wanted to see if everything was in working order. That's why I gave him the the softball questions. Gable then stood up and asked uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Elias, whatever. He then stood up and asked Ezekiel if Gable Steveson is a spoiled little brat who messed with the wrong guy at WrestleMania. Kevin Owens then got involved and told him, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to stay focused here, man. Get back to the issue because I'm paying you $150 Canadian, he says to Chad Gable. I found this to be very, very funny. Chad Gable just breaking out about Gable Steveson being a spoiled little brat and then Kevin Owens getting mad that Gable wasn't really focused and claiming that he was paying him in $150 Canadian, I found this to be very funny. Oh, thank you! KO told him to stay focused. Gable settled down and asked if his real name is Ezekiel. He got right to the question. He threw him a fucking Randy Johnson 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Are you Ezekiel? Is your real name Ezekiel? Ezekiel took a little bit to answer and said, Yes, yes, I'm Ezekiel. Gable said, he's telling the truth. There's no lies detected here. Gable then asked if he is Elias's older brother or if Elias is his older brother. Ezekiel said, yes, Elias is my brother. Gable said, that's also true as well. KO could not believe it. KO could not believe that this was going on. He could not accept the truth. Ask it better. Ask it better. Ask him in a different way, said Kevin Owens. Gable said, the machine doesn't lie, Kevin. The machine doesn't lie. KOX, if Ezekiel is paying him more than him, are you paying Gable to fault the system? He couldn't believe it. Gable said he's a man of academic integrity. Why would I bullshit you? KO got in Ezekiel's face. Ezekiel stood up and said he's tired of being called a liar by Kevin Owens, whom he accused of being the biggest liar In all of WWE. He says he wants his first match in WWE. 
KO says he doesn't know what he's up to, but if he wants to have his first match in Canada's dumpster, or dumpster backyard, I believe, he said something along the lines. He made fun of Buffalo. KO said he will admit he is Elias or else. KO left the ring and Gable attacked Ezekiel from behind and we get a match with Ezekiel and Shad Gable. Now the match itself, it, it, I, I feel like the fans were a little bit more invested in the lie detector test than they were in the match with Ezekiel and Shad Gable. It, it really didn't do much of anything. There was no excitement. There was no buzz. There was no sense of urgency. It was just a very monotone, soft crowd that didn't really give a shit one way or the other about the outcome of this match because they're not fully invested in Ezekiel. And Chad Gable, I don't know why. Chad Gable's great. They didn't really show any interest in Chad Gable either. So we got this match. It went about three minutes. Gable controlled for a couple minutes until Ezekiel hit a nice-looking spine buster and then applied a single leg crab. Otis ran in to cause a disqualification and knocked over Ezekiel. So Ezekiel wins his first match against Gable on Raw by disqualification because of Otis. And that was it. The commentary team joked. Saxon said something along the lines that uh, he believed that this was Ezekiel and Lawler wasn't buying it. He thinks... It is Elias. Lawler joked that Saxton and the Street Profits must listen to the same music as the Easter Bunny hip-hop because that was coming up next, the Street Profits. They were all over the place. They were all over the place. So this was not really all that entertaining. I'm telling you right now, Elias or Ezekiel is not going to get over by this character or with this character. This character is, is dead. Nobody gives a shit about this guy. Nobody gave a fuck about Elias. And nobody's going to give a shit about Ezekiel, who is only Elias without a beard and long hair and without the guitar. This is not really grabbing the people's attention. He's got nothing going on. And the fans are not stupid. They, they know this is Elias with a different but kind of the same type of catch line and tagline. They're not stupid. Kevin Owens is making, making it really entertaining. I will give him that. Kevin Owens and the way he comes off and his voiceless tone and him getting angry and frustrated. Kevin Owens is fucking great. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot more than Kevin Owens to really make this story. I don't know what's going on. Is this leading to Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel at uh, Backlash? I, I feel like Kevin Owens deserves a little bit better than that. I, I, I just feel like Ezekiel Elias, whatever the fuck you want to call him, I honestly feel like he's going to end up getting cut when the next round of budget cuts happens. I can't see this lasting past Backlash. This is a weirdly bizarre gimmick, character, and storyline that I'm entertained by mostly because of Kevin Owens and not because of Ezekiel. I can't see this past Backlash. I can't see this lasting past the pay-per-view. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but this character is not going anywhere and it may have already peaked. On WWE TV. The Street Profits. Like I said, Lawler had the segue to the Street Profits. They wrestled the tag team champions, RK Bro, Randy Orton, and Matt Riddle. I feel like every time I turn on Monday Night Raw, I see this match. 
I feel like every time we see Monday Night Raw, the Street Profits are wrestling RK Bro. I I, I don't know. I, I don't really understand why. And for everybody that is complaining and has complained to me over the course of the last seven years about, oh, the, the merging the tag team divisions is not going to work. This is the only piece of evidence that I would that I would bring to you that really is necessary. How many fucking times can you see these two teams wrestle on Monday Night Raw? That is the basis for changing shit and finally merging the divisions. So we don't get the same fucking matches over and over and over again on a weekly basis. This was a non-title match. I don't know what's going on with the Street Profits and why they are making such a big deal about getting a tag team title opportunity when they should worry about who wins the fucking titles first and then stake claim at whoever the champions are. Right now, it's about the Usos and RK-Bro. So worry about that after the fact. There really isn't any other tag team in WWE right now doing much of anything. Street Profits are the only other fucking team right now in anybody's mind and ears and eyes. So whoever wins that match more than likely will be going up against the Street Profits again for the unified tag team championships. But that doesn't mean we need to see this match again. I feel like this may be like the ninth or tenth time this year alone that these two teams have wrestled on Monday Night Raw. And just by that alone, that is all the evidence you need of why we need a merged division for the tag team tag team divisions on Monday and, fr- and Friday night. Montez Ford, he went to the top early in this match. Riddle brought him down with a beautiful-looking Spanish fly. We go to a commercial break. They... Went back and forth for a little bit. They both tagged out. You know how these RK Bro matches go. Riddle takes the beat down, gets the hot tag to Randy Orton. Same old shit with their matches. It's getting really, really, really played out. But the fans love it. Orton and Riddle both hit draping DDTs before Riddle tagged back in after Randy Orton had his hot tag. So Riddle tagged back in, set up for an RKO. Ford began signaling to the back. When the Usos music hits, the Usos music just goes off in the middle of the match. Usos didn't show up. They weren't there. This distracted Orton and Riddle like a bunch of dumb baby faces. The music goes off. What's going on? They turn around and they get distracted by the Usos theme music. Four drop kicked Orton off the apron. Before he and Dawkins gave Riddle a doomsday blockbuster neckbreaker off the top rope. Pretty much Santana and Ortiz, their finishing move, which they called the Street Sweeper. They did that and pinned Riddle. One, two, three. And the Raw Tag Team Champions are defeated by the Street Profits because of the Usos music causing a distraction, but no Usos. After the match, Ford said this was a lesson learned for everybody. The Usos weren't the only team that RKO should be worried about. So, did Montez Ford signal to the back for the Usos theme music to play? Who who authorized that? Who authorized that? What a lame fucking ending. I don't know how anybody sits there and accepts this fucking half-assed garbage. Why would you signal to the back for somebody else's theme music to play and nobody comes out? Like, who's authorizing hitting the button for the fucking Usos theme music to play? That's not really 
what I call a logical distraction. Now, if the Usos came out, I would understand it. It would look fucking stupid because it makes Randy Orton and Matt Riddle look fucking stupid. But Montez Ford signals to the back to have somebody else's theme music play. Who hit the theme music? Who hit the theme music? Was it Kevin Dunn? Ah, <laughs> uh, think promise me I would. What happened? It's fucking ridiculous, man. It makes everybody look like a blithering idiot. I don't know how anybody sits there and just willingly accepts this shit. It comes off like fucking Bush League. I could understand if somebody caused a distraction. If the Usos jumped the fucking barricade and then caused a distraction, I would understand it. But holy shit, man. How to make somebody look like a fucking idiot one-on-one. This will will go in Bruce Pritchard's memoir. Holy shit. That was terrible. What a dumb fucking ending. Edge and Damian Priest. They were backstage in a very darkened room. Edge was sitting on a throne that was way too big for him. Damian Priest was standing there behind Edge. And in front of Damian Priest was a table with a scale. Priest stood behind Edge. Priest said, people are wondering what happened last week when he all of a sudden vanished. And why they are focused on making Styles' life so miserable. I'm still waiting for a fucking explanation as to why he vanished in the middle of the ring. Nothing was really given. No explanation as to why he vanished was given. Everybody wants to know what happened last week. No explanation. He says it's time to remind them who they are. Edge said those seeds were planted 20 years ago when he was in the brood. But how soon you all forget. He said this version is much more dangerous. Edge says that they haven't lived up to their true capabilities. So are they the brood? Is that what we're calling? Are are they the brood? Are they the brood 2.0? We don't really have a concrete name for Edge and his new group here. He's insinuating that it's the brood or like the brood, but we don't have a name. And Damien Priest says, everybody's wondering what happened last week. And then he goes on to not explain what happened last week. Who writes this shit? This version is much more dangerous and they haven't lived up to their true capabilities. Edge then talked about Bad Bunny getting all the glory last year when Priest was the one teaming with Bad Bunny at WrestleMania and Priest was the one who kept him from being smeared all over the ring like a Picasso, he says. Edge said, unlike the Bills and the Sabres, he wins championships. Oh, so now we need Edge to go to the uh, let's shit on the current city's sports teams hook and get some cheap heat. If Edge is relying on that type of heat, man, I think we're in some fucking trouble already. And that's nothing against Edge. He said, after two years back, fans began complaining about him being around too much or not enough. I I think he's not around enough. I'd like to see more of Edge, to be quite honest with you. He says he's decided not to cater to those people anymore. So the only person with the guts to stand in their way is AJ Styles, and he hasn't gotten the message yet. He said they finally decided to seize the day, which means it's Styles' judgment day if he accepts his challenge for a rematch at WrestleMania Backlash 
Edge then laughed. He took in a deep breath and fell into this zombified state. And the segments came to a close. Nothing was answered here. I don't know what they're waiting for. I don't know what's the prolonged notion of why we're waiting here for some sort of explanation. We don't know what their mission statement is. We don't have a name for the group. And Damien Priest starts this promo off by, everybody was wondering what happened last week, and then goes into no fucking explanation as to why he disappeared and looked like a fucking vampire. We're now three weeks into this thing. You're nearing four weeks now and no fucking explanation. I get this is probably Edge's creative for himself. And he's got the leeway to do what he wants to do. And I get that he's old school, and I get that he's got that old school mentality. But holy fucking shit, man. The the fans nowadays got the fucking attention span of a fucking TikTok. Seriously. We need an explanation. Otherwise, this is going to go downhill fast. Seriously. We need at least something. Why are you forming this group? Why did Damian Priest disappear last week in the fucking blackness of the night? Did he go suck some blood somewhere at some nightclub? What happened? And what is the name of the fucking group? He clearly is aligning people together that are lost and need to find their way. Is it the brood? I'd like for you to let me know without fucking us insinuating and coming up with our own ideas of what the fucking group is. I didn't think this really accomplished anything tonight. Outside of getting another match with Styles and Edge at WrestleMania Backlash. Sarah Schreiber, speaking of AJ Styles, she was backstage in his locker room asking for a response to what Edge just said and challenging him at WrestleMania Backlash. Styles accepted, number one, and then the lights began blinking and then go out. Styles told Schreiber to leave. Suddenly, Damian Priest, when the lights come back on, standing with Edge, there, take out AJ Styles. Apparently, they got creative from Tony Khan. Lights go out. They come back on. They're standing right there in AJ Styles' locker room. So they beat Styles down. He was in a two-on-one situation. They put his arm in one of the benches backstage where they store equipment, and they slammed the bench down on AJ Styles' arm. And AJ Styles was wincing in pain as Priest and Edge left, doing their dirty work. So another sneak attack on AJ Styles, and like I said, no explanation about what had happened. And we get the match, the rematch, at Backlash between Edge and AJ Styles, which should be a good match. Not terribly excited about it, depending on how we go into the pay-per-view, we get any explanation about what's going on here. I may be a little bit more excited about it, but right now... I can't really bring myself to fucking care like I did when we got the first match at WrestleMania. Finn Balor. Finn Balor. Everybody's wondering about Finn Balor, man. What's going on with Finn Balor? He's defending the title tonight, the United States title, that is, in a match against Austin Theory, who Jimmy Smith mistakenly called Austin Theory, you know, you know because he, he got his name chopped in half at Austin Theory because Vince McMahon cannot have, or cannot have the thought of Austin Theory being in the ring with Steve Austin. Such a ridiculous fucking edict. 
The name changing in WWE is out of control, man. I get it. I get why they're doing it. I don't understand it, but I get why they're doing it. This is something that didn't need to change. Austin Theory's name did not need to be changed. Austin Theory wrestled in one of the biggest matches of the entire WrestleMania weekend as Austin Theory. He wrestled Pat McAfee as Austin Theory. He took a stone called Stunner as Austin Theory. He was in Vince McMahon's corner as Austin Theory as McMahon wrestled an official match against Pat McAfee. And now all of a sudden he got his name chopped in half because Vince McMahon is on one of his fucking tirades and can't bear the thought of Austin Theory being in the ring with Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's why it was changed. For some reason, it makes him angry. And he doesn't get it. Austin Theory is the guy that's going to be a star. I don't know who the fuck Theory is. Theory could be anybody. Austin Theory is the future. Theory is just another name on the fucking roster. I don't get it. I brought this up on social media. Can you imagine? And there's a lot of similarities between Austin Theory and John Cena. Vince McMahon clearly sees a lot of that same similarity in Austin Theory. Can you imagine if John Cena came out and he was being given the fucking red carpet treatment on WWE television and they changed his name six months into his fucking mega push and just named him Cena? Who the fuck is Cena? It's John Cena. It's Austin Theory. Imagine cutting Stone Cold's fucking name. Just having him come out as Stone Cold Austin. Or just Austin. It's fucking ridiculous, man. It's really fucking ridiculous. WWE finds a way to make a mockery out of everything and make everything sound so fucking uncool and ridiculous. I brought this up on the podcast Saturday. I don't know why they're changing everybody's name in NXT. They're doing it on purpose. They're doing it on purpose. It insults the fans' intelligence. That's what it does. Never mind a fucking trademark or a fucking IP. They're not doing this for trademark. They're doing it because they know it pisses you off. That's why they do it. You mean to tell me that somebody has worked in NXT for five years and all of a sudden they need a fucking name change? You mean to tell me that they walked into the Performance Center and won championships and headline takeovers and they need a fucking name change that they weren't given a fucking name that WWE could trademark? The latest casualties are Kaylee Ray and Casey Cotanzaro. They got their names changed. Kaylee Ray is the longest reigning United Kingdom women's champion of all time. Who watches NXT UK? Probably nobody. I'm surprised the brand is still around. But she was operating in that brand, on that brand, in that division as Kaylee Ray. Now she's Alba Fire. I think that's the way you pronounce it. I don't understand it. You mean to tell me that Kaylee Ray didn't have merchandise? You mean to tell me Kaylee Ray didn't have her name trademarked when she worked WWE for the last four years? The fuck is going on? It's unnecessary. Vince is a madman. He's an absolute fucking demented madman. None of anything he does makes sense, and the company will be a lot better off when he's gone. Finn Balor. You can see how WWE 
thinks of Finn Balor. This guy is an absolute fucking non-entity on this show. He is as irrelevant as Akira Tozawa on this show. He's as irrelevant as Cedric Alexander. At least Akira Tozawa has got more television time than fucking Finn Balor. He is as irrelevant as T-Bag, T-Bar, Shelton Benjamin. Finn Balor is a complete disaster. Creative malpractice is what they've done with Finn Balor. Now I get it. Finn Balor's 40 years old. Finn Balor is aging. Finn Balor's the veteran. Finn Balor's going to put over Austin Theory. I know this. I knew this. I knew it was coming. That's not the point. I think Austin Theory is fucking great. I think Austin Theory is going to be the fucking guy that's going to headline WrestleMania out of anybody that's come up from NXT. He's going to be the first one to headline a WrestleMania, man. He really is. He is great. He's going to be the future of the brand. He's going to be the future of the company. And he just is it. He has it. He's the man. I've said this for for months. This is nothing new. I knew he was going to win the title here. I knew he was going to be pushed heavy because of his involvement with Vince McMahon. But that doesn't negate the fucking fact that Finn Balor has been fucking buried. Now, why is he buried? You could say, oh, Finn Balor's position is to put over younger talent. Finn Balor is only there to make the younger guys look good. So why did we give him the United States Championship and then have him do nothing with said United States Championship only for him to drop said nothing United States Championship to Austin Theory? Don't you think building Balor up as a fucking credible champion that it would make Austin Theory a little bit better off in the end? Austin Theory beat an already dead and buried Finn Balor with a dead and buried championship around his waist. Finn Balor being buried the way that he is and the way that he has is fucking pathetic. WWE, they don't value somebody like Finn Balor and they're not afraid to show you. They're not. And I said this on social media, man. The way that Balor was treated tonight and the way that Balor has been treated, this guy has a phone call coming from fucking Stanford, Connecticut with John Laurinaitis on the other end very, very soon. I don't know when these budget cuts are happening, man. I feel it in my fucking bones that they're coming either this week or next week. Whenever the next quarterly conference call is, it's going to happen before that so that WWE has their numbers look even better. This is ridiculous. Somebody like Balor, there's nobody in this community that can tell me that he is not valuable to a brand or valuable to a show that he's on, that he's past his prime, that he's this, is that. I don't know why you would disrespect Balor in such a way where you're pigeonholing him into a role that he is easily well beyond. Somebody like Shelton Benjamin, who's 47 years old, should be used in a way to get talent over and take the L to get talent to the next level. Not somebody like Finn Balor. Everybody was excited. Everybody was excited when Balor got called up to SmackDown via the draft. Oh my God, JD's always negative. Now you know why I'm negative. These same fucking blithering idiots were the same people that were excited when Ricochet won the Intercontinental Championship. What happened there? I don't hear you now. Why don't you let me do my fucking job and tell you how it is instead of getting on my back only for me to be right six months later? There's a reason why I'm here and you're there on the other side of the fucking camera. 
Austin Theory beat Finn Balor, won the United States Championship. Great. Great. I'm happy about it. I'm not happy about the way Balor was treated and has been treated, but I expected this to happen. I have no problem with this happening. Should have happened a while ago. Theory and a neck breaker off the apron. We got a commercial break. Very quick into the match. Balor was selling his neck. Most of this match, that was the story. Theory hit a rolling drop kick during the commercial break, but Balor fought back until Theory cut him off with a spinning sidewalk slam. Theory went for a drop kick. Balor countered into a nice sit-out powerbomb. Balor followed with some stomps, followed with the sling blade, his running drop kick. Balor went to the top, but Theory brought him down with a springboard Spanish fly bouncing off the top rope. Beautifully done. Balor countered an ATL attempt, which is Austin Theory's finishing move, followed with a flip dive. Theory dodged a coup de grace, hit the ATL on Finn Balor for the one, two, three, and that is it. Austin Theory is the new United States champion on Monday Night's Raw. At the end of the match, most of catering came out, including Apollo Crews, Cedric Alexander, T-Bar, Commander Aziz. Otis and Gable were there as well. But most of all these uh, catering VIPs came out. I I guess Titus was baking some dessert backstage. They had to wait a little bit. So they all told Titus, yeah, we're going to go out and celebrate with Austin Theory. And then we'll come back, man. We we can't wait to have your fucking piping hot blueberry pie right out of the oven. So all these catering VIPs are out there. They hold Austin Theory up on their shoulders. They celebrate with Austin Theory. Then Mr. McMahon's music hits. No chance in hell hits the PA. He's standing by the stage. And Austin Theory walks out of the ring, up the stage, shakes McMahon's hand, takes a couple of selfies with Vince, and Mr. McMahon holds up Austin Theory's arm with the United States Championship, giving him the seal of approval officially. After all these weeks, shakes his hand and says, you did it, champ. You did it. This was big. This was big for Austin Theory. But the way I see it is, I I, I don't understand why this hasn't been done with the United States Championship beforehand. This was a big deal for Austin Theory. Great. Great. I'm excited for him. We need more Austin theories on this show. This was great for the United States Championship. Great. Maybe the United States Championship is going to be in good hands with Austin Theory. There's no doubt in my mind that it will be. But why? My question is, no matter how great Austin Theory is going to be and how much Vince McMahon is over the moon about Austin Theory, why are we getting this type of a of this type of treatment? Why are we getting this type of of importance, brought to the United States Championship when Finn Balor just held the championship and Damian Priest before him held the championship. For all these months, where has this been for the United States Championship? Now, everybody wants to get on Austin Theory and get on the United States Championship because it's on Austin Theory. Don't you think the United States Championship should have always been given this level of treatment? Why is it when WWE wants to give it? Why is it only when they want to give the United States Championship treatment? Why isn't why isn't it all the time? That's how you ruin championships. 
They want to give importance to who they want to give importance to, and they want to give importance to the championship when it's on the person that they want to give importance to. Lame. It's fucking lame. I don't know when Finn Balor's contract is up, but I am making a prediction right now. This guy has a phone call coming to him. Whenever the next round of budget cuts is happening, he's going to be on the list. They don't need him. They don't want him. And they showed you exactly what they think of him. Where he goes, I don't know. 90 days. He's going to sit out his 90 days no matter what. Does he go back to Japan? Does he retire? Does he go to AEW? I can see him going right back to New Japan. What a joke. What a joke. If you think Balor should be meddling in the fucking undercard and the guy has no value on Monday Night Raw, why did she even bring him up? Why didn't you bring him up? It's not like his star was shining bright that Austin Theory beat some major fucking guy on the main roster. They beat an already dead and buried Finn Balor. So spare me the bullshit. Spare me the bullshit. Happy for Austin Theory, but the level of treatment on WWE's behalf to some of these guys, it's fucking sickening. It really is fucking sickening. Seth was walking backstage... He was looking at his phone. He was laughing. He was looking at his phone and said, Twitter is a wild place. Oh, you, you better believe it. You better believe it. Kevin Patrick approached Seth Rollins and asked if he has determined who will face Cody as this mystery opponent. Seth says he has, and Patrick asked if he'd like to reveal it. Seth asked, are you dumb? Do you know how things work around here? Do you understand what the whole point of mystery opponent is. I need Cody Rhodes to feel the same exact way or the test doesn't work. He was understandably upset about Patrick's question and annoyed, and then he walked away. We got this wedding between Tamina and Akira Tozawa, Dana Brooks, and Reggie. R-Truth introduced everybody here. He was the man in charge officiating this wedding. He was the officiant of this wedding. They all came out dressed up. Sasha Banks, Naomi, Nikki, Angel, and Humberto of Los Lotorios are out there. Amongst other people that I didn't recognize out there. The crowd began whatting. They did the what chant. To our truth. He said, don't want me. And they kept doing the what chant. Yes. Yes. Please continue to tell the fans don't do something. Yeah, they're going to stop and not do it. Right? It's like they would have learned their lesson after Roman Reigns told everybody, please don't post me on social media. I'm breaking character. And they go and post them on social media from Saturday's house show. Dana began talking. Truth told the crowd not to what and give her a minute to speak. Because y'all are going to get married someday. Dana said some nice things about Reggie. I don't remember what she said. I was barely paying attention to her. It's Dana Brooke after all. Who gives a shit what comes out of her mouth? Reggie smiled and again told the crowd to let them speak. He says they can sing later. They began to sing and crowd was boisterous in Buffalo. Truth said, not yet. We'll get to that. Reggie called Dana a dream come true and a goddess. He said they've been through so much as part of their path to this moment. 
Truth said that was deep. Okay, we got through that one. Truth pointed out uh, to Mina, who told Tazawa, yeah, what she said. I'm not reiterating my own shit. Whatever she said, Dad, that's what I say. So she didn't even read uh, or say anything nice about Akira Tozawa. Whatever Dana Brooks said, it's good enough for me. Truth says, can we do that? Obviously. Tozawa said, Tamina, same. Truth said, before he finalizes this commitment ship, he asked anyone to speak up or forever shut your trap. Tamina said she objects. She subs Tozawa over to Brooke and yanked Reggie as if she wanted to marry Reggie instead of Tozawa. Truth said that was an okie-dokie moment that he wasn't expecting. He asked if there were any other objections. Tamina then once again switches places with Tozawa, and she now stands next to Dana Brooke. So it looked like we were getting a lesbian wedding. Crowd popped. Even Angel got excited. And then we went back to the original couples. She went right back to Akira Tozawa on her side, and Reggie went back to Dana Brooke. Now, if they really wanted to make a big splash with this wedding, they would have had Tamina and Dana Brooke get married. Come on, y'all. Y'all with the person you want to be with, right? He said everybody should keep their objections to themselves now. He said with the power in my vest, he is certified to declare them committed. Get your smooching on. He asked that they had rings first. Tozawa put a ring on Tamina's finger. Reggie did the same with Dana Brooke. Truth says it's time for the smooching. The couple smooched. Dana fainted. Reggie landed on top of Dana. The referee counted. One, two, three. He wins the 24-7 title. Tamina then knocked Reggie over, pinned him, won the 24-7 title. Tozawa went up Tamina's dress, pinned her to win the 24-7 title. Dana Brooke leapt off the top rope in her wedding dress and took out Tozawa and wins the 24-7 championship. All the while, Jerry the King Lola was taking... A couple shots at being married, being that he was married four times and divorced four times. This entire segment was absolutely fucking appalling. Minus R-Truth. Minus R-Truth. R-Truth was great. I think he did a fantastic job. He was the only entertaining part of this entire segment. He's fucking comedy gold is R-Truth. I will give him that. Even though I'm blocked on social media, I still love R-Truth. I don't know why, but I still love R-Truth. This was appalling. This was pathetic. This was embarrassing. I don't know who this appeals to. I don't know why this is fucking on TV. A a, a writer, a writer sat down and came up with this entire segment. Piece by piece, word for word. Vince and Bruce approved this segment to make national television. We need to burn the 24-7 title. It's... Way, 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 way past its expiration point. I think everybody in that ring needs to be fucking let go and on Nick Khan's budget cut list. Get them the fuck out of here. And how bad does Sasha Banks look standing? I know she's a part of Team Bad with Naomi and Tamina. I get it. But Jesus fucking Christ. If you think Sasha is worth this and you don't think Sasha is beneath this, holy shit. Or above this, I should say. Sasha's above this. WWE made Sasha beneath this. And that's not right. Sasha's way above this shit. She don't belong in this fucking comedy garbage. You gotta be fucking kidding me. 
This was downright embarrassing, man. If I had company over, I would fucking crawl up into a ball and fucking hide myself away. This shit sucked. I was embarrassed watching this from the comfort of my own home. None of it is funny. None. Fucking ridiculous, man. This is your post-WrestleMania Raw? We're three weeks into fucking Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania, and this is the best you got. Sure, there's some fucking check mark out there. Ha 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 ha. He 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 he. Oh, this is great. This is great. Can I line up my next interview? Sarah Schreiber was about to interview Bobby Lashley. She said MVP and Omar sent in a video. Let's watch this first. Do we have to? Do we have to? MVP said Lashley is about to find out what a big mistake he made trying to hog the glory and spotlight for himself at WrestleMania without him. It says he's now moved on to bigger, meaner, and stronger things. No, no, and no. No, you have not. MVP challenged him to an arm wrestling contest next week on Monday Night Raw with Omas. Oh, great. I see WWE's taking the same exact playbook out of how they booked Braun Strowman, now applying it to Omas. Oh, my. You fucking see, who gives a shit about a fucking arm wrestling contest? Seriously. None of this shit ever works because it's fucking scripted. Now, if it was not scripted, I'd be a little bit more interested in it. And the only reason why WWE does this type of thing is because it gets massive amounts of views on social media. I believe the last fucking arm wrestling contest we got was Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman. It did like 147 million views on YouTube or something like that. It's up there. WWE only does this to generate buzz on YouTube and social media. Nobody gives a shit. This is what you're doing with Bobby Lashley. Omas. And we got to get this match happening again at Backlash. Arm wrestling. On Monday Night Raw. Arm wrestling next week. He said he can get past Omas in order to get to MVP. He said Omas is big, strong, and scary, but he is too. He said they'll find out next week who is stronger. He said they'll find out why they call him the Almighty. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares. Shit is complete dog shit. Bobby Lashley deserves so much better than fucking Omar. And we get to see Omas on Monday, and we get to see fucking the Giants sing on Wednesdays, man. I love it. Cody Rhodes. He's in the main event. He goes one-on-one with Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is the mystery opponent for Cody Rhodes. Now, I kind of expected it to be Kevin Owens. I was hoping it wasn't going to be Kevin Owens, but in typical WWE fashion, they don't do anything that excites the fucking crowd. You think WWE is going to be a little bit adventurous about this? Of course not. You think WWE is going to be a little bit all unpredictable about this? Of course not. You think WWE is going to take a little risk in this situation? Of course not. They go and tow the same fucking safe line, the cautious line that they always do every single fucking week. 
This shit sucks. Now, I don't have any problem with Cody Rhodes and Kevin Owens wrestling on Monday Night Raw. I wish it was given a little bit better of a buildup. I wish they didn't have a fucking dark match three weeks ago. Then we get this same fucking match on Monday night. Following that, WWE needs to start taking risks. You know, there was a tweet that Cody Rhodes put out to Roderick Strong. And Roderick Strong mentioned something about wanting to wrestle Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes insinuated that my career may be over if I take one of those backbreakers that you give. Why didn't they do something along the lines of that? Something different, something new, something fresh, something exciting. Something that nobody was going to expect. I've seen some people saying, well, what about Tommaso Ciampa? Unless you want him to lose his first match on Monday Night Raw, it would have been a great match. But Tommaso Ciampa, I don't want to see losing. He's already losing because he's on Monday night. But I don't want to see him actually lose a wrestling match in his first night out. That's not what we want to see. That's not what we want for Tommaso Ciampa. But WWE could have had anybody. I would have taken Dolph Ziggler. I would have taken anybody. But Kevin Owens? Now, I knew they were going to have a decent match in the main event. But, man, I I appreciate a little bit more of an unpredictable fucking situation. I wanted some unpredictability, some, some risk. None of it. None of it. And then the ending only solidified my disappointment with the decision of it being Kevin Owens. Owens blocked the suicide dive, grabbed Rhodes, and gave him a fallaway slam into the barricade. Two commercial breaks in this match. Very tough to get invested when WWE has got to give you two fucking commercial breaks in the main event. Can't you take a commercial break during the fucking wedding? Why don't you leave this match with one commercial break? I'd take one, but two? Fallaway slam into the barricade. Go to commercial break. Rhodes fought back. Owens crushed him with a senton. Rhodes counted an Owens suplex, but Owens came back with a spike DDT, planted Cody Rhodes with a spike DDT. Owens went for a senton off the top, but Rhodes got his knees up. Still looked like it sucked for Cody Rhodes, even with the knees up. Rhodes then tackled Owens over the announced desk on the outside. Rollins, I don't know where he went. I, I thought he was out there and sitting at commentary. Apparently, he went to the back, and then he comes out and entered to his music again. He came out in the beginning of this match with his theme music going off and announced who it was that was wrestling Cody. He then goes to the back only to have his theme music go off again. Why? Why couldn't he stay out there? So we had to hear Rollins' music not once but twice in the span of about seven minutes. So we went to another commercial break. They were on the top turnbuckle. Owen shoved Rhodes off the top, hit a frog splash for two. Owens immediately followed with another senton. This time it connected. Went for another cover. Got a two count. Rhodes applied a schoolboy for a a near fall. Owens and Rhodes tackled, uh, or traded rather, super kicks before Rhodes dropped Owens with a clothesline. Owens came back with a beautiful pop-up powerbomb. Owens hit an avalanche fisherman buster, but Rhodes got his foot on the rope. That looked a little scary because he had his foot, did Cody Rhodes, hang up on one of the ropes coming down off the top rope in this suplex position. Owens tried a powerbomb, but Rhodes backdropped him on the apron. Rollins demanded Owens get up and get his fat ass back in the ring. Owens gave him the finger, blew him off, and said, no, this is your match, and walked out. Cody Rhodes wins by, by countout. 
because Rollins called Owens a fat ass, and Owens said, no, this is your match. This is not mine. You go worry about him. I'm out of here. So Cody Rhodes wins by countout in a very lame ending, and then Cody Rhodes celebrates. He wasn't happy about the way he won. He gets on the top rope. Seth Rollins is upset. He gets back in the ring. He shoves Cody off the top rope. He goes over the top, falls to the outside, and that's the way Monday Night Raw went off the air. They could have did this so much better. This could have been so much better. I don't understand why there is such a level of safeness in WWE. This is exactly what's going to make Cody uninteresting. Shit like this. Kevin Owens already had a segment. He didn't need to come out and wrestle in this segment. All because he's Seth Rollins' best friend. He didn't need to be in this segment. That's the safe choice. You have an entire fucking company of wrestlers that you could have chose from, and you opted to go with the one guy that everybody knew it was going to be. You know, sometimes these mystery opponent angles that you wait for the entire show, who's going to be, who's it going to be, who is he going to wrestle, it ends up being somebody like Kevin Owens, and that doesn't really make you feel like you that you've, you know, spent your three hours in a meaningful fucking way. Could have been anybody. I would have taken Dolph Ziggler like it, or Bobby Roo, somebody, somebody. Any, somebody from SmackDown. No, it's got to be Kevin Owens. WWE giving you the most unpredictable fucking ending to a goddamn Monday Night Raw. And then it ends, and then it ends via countout. You think the fans in Buffalo were excited about seeing this match and then have it end in a fucking countout? Shit sucks. Monday Night Raw sucks. WWE, same old, same old. After the first hour, which was okay, this show went deep into a fucking dive Right off a goddamn cliff, man. As usual, Monday Night Raw, same old shit. I appreciate you guys very much, man. We're going to get into the Super Chats in just a little bit. We got 884 likes in the chat. I I don't know why, man. We should be at least 1,000 minimum. It's 2,300 people, 2,400 people in here. Why? Hit that thumbs up. And let's try for a thousand. If you're in here and have not hit the thumbs up, please do so. It helps me out. Get those super chats in. We're going to read them in just a second. And make sure you guys hit that join button. Become a VIP right here on Off the Script, man. We are nearing 600 new members, 600 members in total. We had 10 new members, over 10 new members on Saturday. So thank you guys very much for becoming VIPs. For becoming channel members right here on Off The Script. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below if you have not done so. This is the number one live host show every single night in the IWC. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, man. And every pay-per-view that you know is on the pay-per-view calendar. Number one. Why? Because we give it to you like you deserve. Truth and honesty, man. Plus, the venue looks pretty damn fucking good, man. And everybody wants to be in the venue. Tonight's sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped.com. You guys are going to use code SCRIPT20 at checkout. You're going to save 20% off and get that free shipping. Guys, it's time for spring cleaning. I've already started. Legitimately. The carpets need cleaning. The drapes need dusting. 
and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung, and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants. It's time to clear out that winter bush and join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping, man. Manscaped has the full package you need for your spring cleaning this year, the Performance Package 4.0. This is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling like fresh tulips. Exactly the way your partner wants. To start off your spring cleaning, use the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges. Did we mention that it's waterproof as well? No need to worry about watering your grass with this tool equipped with an LED light so you know where to shower and how to shower with this lawnmower 4.0, man. It's going to be a new shower asset to your repertoire. Clear your holes and smell the spring air with the weed whacker as well. This nose and ear hair trimmer provide skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, tugs, and those delicate holes. Also, the crop reviver and the crop preserver for your balls. It's a deodorant and moisturizer. And to finish off your grooming routine, they got the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face, man. Because if you're using the lawnmower 4.0, you're, you guys are going to use their razors as well. The Plow 2.0. Make sure you guys use manscaped.com code SCRIPT20 at checkout to save on all of this. And I want to thank them for once again supporting Off The Script. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. Number one. Let's start at the top. Real Metalhead 21 with a $5 Super Chat. Only thing I'm going to watch is the lie detector test. Going to listen to this tomorrow while at work. Just curious. What do you think of Godsmack? Haven't been a fan of Godsmack after that second album, bro. It was that debut album. I remember fondly buying it at Tower Records after hearing the single. Whatever. Off of 92.3 K-Rock here in New York City. Every hour on the hour. Then I bought their second album. After that, I didn't really care about anything else they did. Michelle Moran with a $5 Super Chat. Edge foaming or forming his own ministry could be cool. You think Edge wants to force Styles to join him like Taker's ministry would? If not AJ, then maybe Balor. Uh, I don't know who else is joining. Let's start with Rhea Ripley first and see what else develops coming out of this. But I do see AJ and Finn Balor maybe teaming up to go against AJ, uh, AJ and Balor versus Edge and uh, Damian Priest. I see AJ and Finn teaming up here. If Finn is going to be brought back to television, which I don't even know anymore. Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. JD Kushida just left WWE. Good. Good. They had nothing. They, they had him doing nothing in NXT. They had him teaming with fucking uh, Eichelman Jiro. <laughs> Jacket time. Nobody wants to see that. He was never making it to the main roster anyway. If he made it to the main roster, man, he would be in there with Akira Tozawa and fucking Reggie. And all true. Now it gives him time to go do whatever he's got to do. I believe the Super Juniors tournament's going to happen, right? Gives him time to go over there. His contract expired. He walked out. Good. Good. 
Ryolf Wildfire with a 499 Super Chat. Ric Flair, 73 years old, can still take a bump. Fun little scrimmage against Jay Lethal on Ric Flair's Twitter. It looked better than Goldberg. Yeah, I saw it, man. Not really, uh... Not really all that interested in seeing Ric Flair back in a ring, man. Didn't look... It, it didn't look like, uh... He's set for in-ring competition at all. Keep it as a scrimmage. Tony Brown with a 999 Super Jet. He says, yeah, my meat. There's plenty of booty meat on Monday Night Raw tonight, Tony Brown. Plenty of it. Jaden Gilliam with a 499 Super Jet. Love going to Raw tonight just to see the main event between two top stars and in a countout. Not to mention the dark match was New Day versus Ridge and Sheamus. I don't know why anybody bothers going to these live WWE shows, man. I don't know why anybody bothers. You get what you pay for, man. All you have to do is watch it on TV. You know what to expect. Don't expect anything different than the norm. The professional gamer becomes a new member in the OTS VIP club. Thank you so much, brother. What are you drinking? Shell John with a 499 super chat. Shell says the king with a crown emoji. You better fucking believe it. Kratos with a 21 month membership. Thank you for the 21 months, brother. Two more months before my golden mic. Oh, it's coming, bro. It's coming, man. Shell Joel or John, I believe. I don't know. I, th- I think that's John. John becomes a new member in the venue. Thank you, Shell. What are you drinking? Joseph Taylor for the $2 Super Chat. Give me Kushida versus Kenny Omega. Let Kenny Omega get back from injury first, man, before we start booking Kenny Omega. Lauren Hutton became a member for 13 months. Thank you, Lauren. 13 months, JD. Cody's the best. Finally, a return. RK Bro splitting after backlash. Owens is always great. You're the man. Happy belated Easter. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, I don't know what's happening with RK Bro, but I would assume we're getting a split sometime this summer. If they're merging the divisions, it's easier for them to do that. JT Golden with a 199 Super Chat. Just a heads up. Batman is now on HBO Max. I am well aware, JT Golden. I will be watching that at some point this week. Angel with a $75 Super Chat. Angel, thank you so much, brother. Your streams kept me entertained and sane during my recovery from quadruple open bypass surgery. I want to thank you. On a side note, I am fearing WWE is already using Cody too much. First of all, Angel, I appreciate you, man. Number one. Number two, prayer emojis in the chat for Angel. Get better, brother. And number three, I agree with you, man. Cody may be on the verge. I don't feel it yet, but I fear WWE is going to be nearing overexposure with Cody Rhodes because they know they have nobody else. Hola, man boy, and Rated M Gamer become new members in the OTS VIP club. Thank you, gentlemen. What are both of you guys drinking on this fine evening? Tony Brown with a 499 Super Chat. 24-7 title sucks bad. It does, bro. It's awful. 
Ahmed Youssef with a 199 Super Chat. Finn Balor should be in the main event scene. Shaking my head. I don't even know why they called him up from NXT, to be quite honest with you. Deontay with a 199 Super Chat. Finn to help AJ against the new brood. I think so, brother. I think that's exactly what we're getting. If they want to keep Finn on TV. Bradley Robinette with a 199 Super Chat. I know one person who watches NXT UK. LOL. I'm assuming that's you, Bradley. I do not watch it, nor do I care to. Michael Hartham with a 499 Super Chat. I did not attend Raw tonight, but loved how the crowd crapped all over the wedding segment. Really hope Tony Khan brings AEW to Buffalo soon. I think he will. T-Money with a 499 Super Chat. A lot of mentions of Buffalo by WWE. They had a weird thing going on with my hometown tonight. I don't know why they mentioned Buffalo. I don't know why they mentioned Buffalo as much as they did. I did pick up on that. And Ed with a 199 Super Chat. Shortened Monday Night Raw to two hours. Ed, if, if I was a fucking genie and I was working for WWE and they asked me for three wishes. That's one of the things I would do, man. Monday Night Raw would be shortened to two hours. Absolutely. There's no reason for this show to be three hours. Bradley Robinette with a 199 Super Chat. No, JD, not me. A friend of mine named Lou does. I'm sorry to hear that, Bradley. I got better things to do on my Thursday afternoons, man. Can't be can't be straddled with watching one hour of NXT UK that gets maybe seven viewers on the WWE Network. Anyway, guys, that is uh, that is all I got, man. We got four new members. We got still 2,000 in the venue, man. I'm about to get out of here. Thank you for the super chats. We got five likes away from a thousand. Five likes away from a thousand. If you guys are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, give me the five likes. I know you guys can do it, man. I know you guys can do it. Come on. Seriously. It's not that difficult. Uh, Jesse, listen. Uh, I'm getting out of here, man. Um, there was somebody that threw up in the VIP room, man. I think somebody served them too much uh, peanut butter whiskey, bro. Seriously. I'm going to need you to clean up that vomit, okay? This will give you plenty of time to uh, collect yourself and make sure that you're uh, sounding crisp on Wednesday night, okay? Any more problems, man? I'm going to have to dump you. Going to have to dump you, bro. This fucking guy. Worry about fucking tacos, man. He's got a fucking sound system, like me. He sounds like dog shit. Anyway, guys, I'm getting out of here. We love Jesse. Not his tacos, but we love him. Anyway, guys, I'm getting out of here, man. I will, uh... I may see you for an extra tomorrow. I'm not sure yet. May see you for an extra tomorrow. But I will definitely be back in the venue for NXT, man. If you guys are uh, interested in that, which (laughs) I know nobody is. Nobody's interested in NXT, man. I'm lucky if I get 1,000 views. 
Hot Tuesday night, man. It sucks. So I'm lowering myself, man, to cover NXT. And that's not the appropriate crowd for a venue. Anyway, I'll be live tomorrow for NXT. We'll see what happens there. Extra tomorrow, possibly. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go check out Manscaped. The reason why they stay with us is because you guys constantly check them out, man. Manscaped.com. Code SCRIPT20. At checkout for 20% off and free shipping. And go check out episode 426 of the podcast on Saturday night, man. Massive off the scripts. We killed it on Saturday night. Go and check that out, man. All your weekly news is right there. In episode 426. I'm taking my cold beverage. I'm hopping on Destiny for a little bit. Trying to get myself tired because I'm very sleep deprived. But I need two things for you guys. Before I get out of here, man. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. And number two, I need that music on max. I'll see you guys tomorrow night for NXT. Until then, have a great Monday and Tuesdays, guys. I'll see you live in the venue for NXT 2.0 right here on OTS. I'll see you guys later.